Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 10. You know, the Bible tells us that promotion comes from the Lord. If you're going to be promoted, God is the one you want to promote you, not yourself or anyone else. And when God does it, he does it right. He gave Solomon great wisdom. He gave him great wealth, perhaps more wisdom and more wealth than any other man who lived during King Solomon's time. And his fame spread throughout the known world in those days, so much so that people hundreds and in some cases thousands of miles away from Jerusalem heard about Solomon. And what's interesting to me is that they heard about it in connection with the name of the Lord. Look at verse 1 of our text. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions concerning the name of the Lord. So when she heard news of Solomon, it was in connection with the name of the Lord. Only the Lord could give the kind of things that Solomon had received. And so she wants to see for herself, is it really as great as I hear from everybody? Now, we're going to see in the text that she really didn't believe it was quite as good as she had heard. She said, how could this be? And so she says, she decides, I'm going to take a trip to Jerusalem. I'm going to see for myself. In other words, I want to know if he's as knowledgeable, as wise, and as rich as people keep telling me he is. Let's see if his wisdom and great wealth are really because of the Lord his God. Did God really do this for him? And she believed enough of it, even though she was skeptical, to travel a long distance to see Solomon. How far did she travel? She traveled somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500 miles on the back of a camel, along with a whole bunch of other people. Uh, Debbie, if you could give me slide number two, please. Now, here is a, a fresco that is in the country of Ethiopia, even to this day. Now, a fresco is usually painted inside on the wall, and the kind of pigments they used in those days, it caused everything to last a long time. So anyway, there she is. I hope she looked better than that. But anyway, <laughs> the, te the text says she came on camel. But in any case, the painter didn't hear about that, so he put it on a horse. How far was it? Now, if you'd, if you'd give me slide number two, please. Can you see that okay? Now, there's a question as to where, her, the, where she started from. She probably started from what is today Yemen, because that's where the temple of uh, the queen was. Queen Sheba's temple was in Yemen. And if she left Yemen and went straight to Israel, it was 1,200 miles. Now, how long did it take somebody on a camel to get 1,200 miles? I have no idea. Uh, but if she, let's say she made 20 miles a day. That's probably pushing it a little bit. Maybe she made 20 miles a day. So that would be, if it's, if it's 1,200 miles, that would be 60 days, right? So it would take her two months. I'm sure they had to pitch tents at night, and 
She had all kinds of people with her, a great entourage of people and servants and all kind of goods that she was taking to Solomon. She was taking thousands of pounds of gold, for instance, to, to give to Solomon. It's really quite amazing. And we're going to see in her own words just how much she doubted if all of this information was really true. Now, our text says she was a queen of Sheba. Now, where in the world is Sheba? I had somebody ask me that today. I think it was Larry who said, where, Johnny, where in the world is Sheba? <laughs> and Sheba is, if you look at what the archaeologists and the, and the scholars say, they say it's southern Arabia. Uh, now, not too long ago, a, an archaeologist from Canada was digging in Yemen and found what, was, what they discovered was the castle of the Queen of Sheba. So that's one of the slides. I can't remember which one. If you'd give me the, I think it's number five, Debbie. Yeah, number, or num, it may be number four. But that's not it. <laughs> You had it there for a minute. Did you see a castle there for a second? Okay. Well, that, now that castle today is in... There it is. That is in Yemen. So in those days, that's where her castle was. So that's probably where she set out from. Now... Um, there's another... Give me the slide that shows where all of the land that Sheba had. Now, you see those uh, two or three red places there. One is where the temple is. That's Yemen. And then the big, the big one on the left is Ethiopia today. And then the smaller country there, just on top of it, is Eritrea. And most scholars that I read after said that she was the queen of all of that, that all of that was Sheba. All the, all the red that you see there was Sheba, and she was the queen of it. Now, before we, I started looking at maps, I actually looked at the clue that Jesus gave us. In Matthew 12 and in Luke 11, this very same words are recorded. Matthew 12, 42 says, The queen of the south, Jesus speaking, The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So he mentioned that this is in the south. So when you look from the south of Israel down quite some distance, twelve to 1,500 miles, and there's Sheba. And Jesus said she was the queen of the south. Now, in verse 2, we see that just in case... What she heard was true. She decided to bring great gifts for this great king that she had heard about. So look at verse 2. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold, and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. Now, this is overwhelming to her because she has come with doubts and she has all kinds of questions. I wonder what some of the questions were. Have you ever thought about that? You're going to see later that some of the gifts that Solomon got were apes and monkeys. Sounds strange, doesn't it? 
So I can imagine she might have said, Solomon, what's the difference between a, a, an ape and a monkey? And why Solomon said probably about six feet. <laughs> anyway, she was overwhelmed. And look at verse 4. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. One commentator I read said she was breathless. She had nothing left to say. Verse 6. But I guess she had this to say. She said to the king in verse 6, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. And then in verses 7 through 9, she confesses that she hadn't really believed the news. So now she's owning up to King Solomon that she really didn't believe all this stuff that she heard about him. Look at verse 7. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are these your servants, who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Now Solomon's wisdom and wealth was far greater than what had been told her. Usually when you hear something and you find out the facts, it's usually less than what you hear. But she was amazed because it was much more than what she had heard. Now I ask you this question. When the Queen of Sheba goes home and she begins to tell others what she saw, will they believe her? Some people say seeing is believing. But you know, God teaches us that blessed is he who has not seen and yet believes. You know what it's called, don't you? It's called faith. In Hebrews, uh, the 11th chapter, it says, Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I, I, don't, I have an idea. No one in this group tonight has seen the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know in your heart that he, he lives. And you love him, and you haven't, you've never seen him. Because you have faith in him. In verse 7, she says, The half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame which I heard. Someday when we stand in the presence of God, in the new heaven and the new earth, we'll be far more amazed than the Queen of Sheba. Don't you think? How do we know we will be amazed? How do we know that? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us in verses 9 and 10. It says, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Why is it that you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the greatest person that's ever walked on the face of this earth? Why do you believe that? Because the Holy Spirit has made it true to your heart. And even though there are skeptics who don't believe it, you do. Because the Holy Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now, in verses 10 through 12, this wealthy queen gives Solomon fantastic gifts that only a wealthy person could give. In verse 10, it says, Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold. That's 9,000 pounds. And at today's rate, $1,200 an ounce. 
That's $172,800,000. That's a ton of, ton of bucks, right? And spices in great quantity. I read one person saying that the spices that she brought may have been worth more than the gold. We don't know. And precious stones. You know, you, if you had a diamond about this big, it'd be worth a whole lot more than all that gold, wouldn't you say? I have no idea. There never again came such abundance of spices as the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Also, the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almond wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of the almond wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house. Also, harps and stringed instruments for singers. There never again came such almond wood, nor has the like been seen to this day. Now, I looked up almond wood, and it's really, we call it today sandalwood. It's a, it's a, it's a wood that has a great aroma to it. As a matter of fact, uh, people will use the pulp from that wood to squeeze it and to come out with fragrant oil. And I, and I matter of fact, I went on the Internet and I found out that sandalwood oil says, sells for 70 bucks an ounce. So this almond wood was a big deal that she brought to King Solomon. Such a big deal that he made steps uh, in the temple f- with this wood. He made steps in his own house and had a floor in his own house with this wood. And he made harps and stringed instruments with this wood. I wonder what they sounded like. From what I understand, this wood really makes great stringed instruments. And then Solomon, not to be outdone, it says in verse 13 that he gave generously to the queen all that she desired. Look at verse 13. Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked. Besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity, so she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now, I have no idea what the Queen of Sheba asked Solomon for. But being a very wealthy queen, I'm sure she didn't ask him for a dime or two. She asked him for something that was quite extravagant, probably. She asked him all that was in her heart, all of her desires, and he gave that to her. Now let's look and see just how wealthy Solomon really was coming to be. You remember when God came to Solomon and said, you haven't asked for uh, riches, you've asked for wisdom. So I'm going to give you wisdom like no one has ever had on the face of the earth before. And I'm also going to give you riches, even though you didn't ask for them. Well, how much did God bring his way? Let's take a look at verse 14. The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. That's 50,000 pounds. And at today's rate of $1,200 an ounce, that's $960 million a year came into his treasury. Besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, from the governors of the country, And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold, three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of of the forest in Lebanon. Verse 18. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory 
and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. Now, I looked at a, an artist's rendition of this, and I don't know that this is the interpretation, but it seems like it might be that he had this uh, throne of ivory, and he made the lions out of ivory as well, which is in itself is very expensive. And then he overlaid all of that, including the lions on the steps, and these lions were almost life-size, and they were overlaid with pure gold. So 12 lions stood there, verse 20, on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. So all the cups and glasses in his house were gold. All the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver. For this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. If he went to the cupboard and happened to grab a silver, he'd say, I'm not, I don't want that glass. It's nothing. I want the gold glasses. Verse 22, for the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. That amazes me. Who cares about apes and monkeys? But he got them every year or every other year, I guess, or whatever it says. Now, verse 23 says that King Solomon's kingdom was unsurpassed. Verse 23, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Think about this. Look at verse 24. Kings from all over the earth came to see Solomon's great kingdom. And each king as he came added to Solomon's wealth. This is quite amazing. Verse 24, now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present. Articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses and mules at a set rate year by year. It just kept coming year after year. Now Solomon was king for how many years? Who remembers? Forty. So every year for 40 years, here came the gold. Here came the spices, the precious stones, garments, silver and gold every year, year after year for 40 years. Now, unfortunately, it's not the way this chapter ends. It's not a happy story. It says in verse 26, Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. Also, Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Keva. The king's merchants brought him in, them in Keva at the current price. Now, a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150. Thus, through their agents, they exported them all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Now, why was this wrong for Solomon to do? Why did he sin in doing this? Well, if you would, take the time to turn in, to, in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17. 
We'll put in at verse 14. Deuteronomy 7, verse 14. Verse 14 begins by saying, When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. And yet Solomon sent agents to Egypt to buy horses. Verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives for himself. Now Solomon really knew how to multiply wives. He didn't add wives, he multiplied wives. Who remembers how many wives he had? Larry. 700. And he had how many concubines? 300. Amazing. Can you imagine him walking down the hallway of his palace and a woman walks by and he says, Who are you? What's your name? I'm one of your wives. Oh, really? And then verse 17, Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book. So God wanted him to transcribe the word of God himself and make a book of the law of Moses, which is quite large if you think about it. So he's to, to write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one bef before the priest, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Now, even though God said don't multiply horses, he did multiply horses. God said don't multiply wives, he did multiply wives. And he did multiply silver and gold. And it, Now, I'm sure he would have gotten a lot of silver and gold even if he didn't work at it. But he seemed to multiply silver and gold. He did allow his heart to be turned away, and he worshipped idols and built idols throughout the land of Israel. And people began to worship heathen gods. However, he did not read the word of God every day of his life. He didn't. Well, if he read it every day, he sure didn't obey it every day. And I think, this is my opinion, but I think that Solomon ultimately failed because he did not read the word of God every day of his life nor did he obey what it said. This is a sad story if you think about it, and it unfortunately has been repeated countless times by men and women who know better. Think of the body of Christ today. Are people adhering to the Word of God today? Are churches really standing for the... Well, some are, but many are not standing for the Word of God. I was looking at Christian christianbook.com, which is a discount internet book activity, 
And there's a new book by Chuck Swindoll called Awakening Church. And when you read the synopsis of the book, it says the church needs to be awakened back to the Word of God. And the Word of God needs to be taught in the churches and believed in the churches and practiced in the churches. If God's people would go back to God's Word, all kinds of things would happen. God, God would hear from heaven, and he, I believe he would heal our land. What's wrong with the United States of America today? God's people. Because God says, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. So it's really God's people are the key. May God help all of us to read his word every day and obey what is written. In Jesus' name. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 12, The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Think about what he just said. He said, a woman came a long way with a big entourage of people and everything to see Solomon, and a greater than Solomon is here. Now, how much greater than Solomon is the Lord Jesus Christ? Solomon was king of the Jews. Jesus Christ is the king of kings and lord of lords. Solomon disappointed God. What did God say about Jesus? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Solomon died and was buried. Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead. Solomon was a man and not to be worshipped. What does God the Father say about the Lord Jesus? In Philippians 2 it says, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a wonderful thing we have, future we have if we believe in Jesus today. And what a wonderful life we can have if we just follow him and do what he says. So let us do what he says. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, I pray for each one of us tonight that you would help us to be revived in our hearts and our spirits. If we need reviving, Lord, wake us up and help us as a church to really be a church of prayer. You said that, that your house should be called a house of prayer. So I pray that you would help us to be that house and help us to be stirred to uh, really love the Lord Jesus the way we should and be his witnesses. Lord, help us not to be ashamed or too shy about telling people about Jesus. Help us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth the way the Lord Jesus said we were to be. I pray for each and every person sitting here and for the people who couldn't be here tonight. I pray for them as well. And I just pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be a church after your own heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I stand and worship God.